Welcome to Leading Lights. Thanks for listening. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. Just as the children are going out, just, um, you know, it's been a great privilege also that I, I, I didn't mention is that um, when Greg and Bronwyn planted the church called the Lighthouse in Zimbabwe, um, myself and a, a friend who was working with me were able to be there at that first meeting. And just to see what God has done with this family over that time is quite incredible. Really quite incredible. And uh, you know that we're all connected in, in different ways. And Greg pointed out that, um, that two young guys have come to join us this weekend from St. Neots. And those are Daniel and Daniel. Daniel Chan and, and Daniel Hook Imwenji. Something like that. Uh, just stand up for a second, guys. These, uh, these two good-looking young guys. Uh, so Daniel Chan is originally from Hong Kong, and uh, or as James and Heidi's uh, youngest Judah says, King Kong. He's from King Kong, and uh, and and da- the other Daniel is from Zimbabwe, and his uncle delivered uh, the Donaldson's three children. He's a pediatrician, eh? So he delivered your three children. So isn't that amazing? How small the world is, and how everybody is connected. And I think that's the wonderful thing about when God wants to do something with a network, that people are connected. This Leading Lights network is something that can span the globe. If you just look at the power of the internet and you look at at Facebook, for example, how many of us have been put in touch with people through Facebook that we lost touch with many, many years ago? Uh, It's quite incredible, really, what um, the internet is able to do and what a wonderful tool it is. It can be used for, for um, uh, not such good purposes, but it can also be used for the kingdom of God, to extend the kingdom of God. And Greg shared yesterday about the Roman roads and how the Roman roads were in their day used for the spreading of the gospel and the planting of churches. Those same roads were not built for that purpose. They were built for the oppression of peoples that were not Roman. And, uh, but God was able to take what was meant for evil and use it for good. And we have a God who's able to use the media, use the internet. And I think it's just wonderful to see how this can be used. And when you just start to see the connections between people, um, and you realize that just through the internet and through relationship, relational connections, we can reach the world for Jesus. We can reach people in every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every people group for the Lord Jesus Christ through those that we are connected with. Wonderful, hey? Why don't you turn with me to Matthew chapter 14, and uh, this morning I'd like to share a message with you on feeding the 5,000. The miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000 is recorded in all four Gospels. And I'm going to be talking from Matthew chapter 14 and from John chapter 6 this morning. And uh, if you would join me as I just read through Matthew chapter 14 from verse 15 through to verse 17. And then secondly, we're going to read through John chapter 6, verse 5 through to verse 13. So first of all, Matthew chapter 14, verse 15. As evening approached, the disciples came to Jesus and said, This is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They don't need to go away. 
you give them something to eat. We have only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. He then gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. Now turn across with me now to John chapter 6. And a uh, wonderful thing about having four Gospels is we're able to see these events through the eyes of different disciples and different records to see different perspectives. And in John chapter 6, starting at verse 5 and reading through to verse 13, it says, When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to just have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. And he did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled twelve basketfuls with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Now in this miracle we see Jesus feed a hungry crowd through his disciples with a little boy's lunch. And if we just think about the headlines, first of all, the need. In Matthew chapter 14 verse 21 we read that those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Now it's estimated that there were about 12,000 people there that day. There was a big need. They had not eaten all day, and you had 12,000 hungry people. You know, there are hungry people out there. There's a big need out there. And to quote John Wesley, John Wesley said, The untold millions are still untold. The second headline is the resources. In John chapter 6, verse 9, Andrew says to Jesus, there's a little boy who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many? This was a boy's packed lunch of five small loaves and two small fish. The resources were just a little. And when we look at the resources we have, it's just a little. A website, a video camera, 
and a bit of computer software, but a vision in people's hearts. We look at the people that are seated in this room and we say, how can we reach the nations? How can we reach people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every people group? And see them come before the throne. How can we partake in this great commission to go into all the world and make disciples of the nations? This great commission is given to each one of us as believers. Go into all the world and make disciples. How can we do that? And then finally, the third headline is the team. And in Matthew chapter 14 verse 15, it says the disciples came to him. Now how many disciples were there? Not a trick question. Twelve. Twelve disciples, okay? So there were twelve adults. And then don't forget, there was also a little boy. In John chapter 6 and verse 9, it says, There is a boy here. I love it that you are in a church where whole families are involved. We're seeing whole families involved in the worship. Whole families involved in worshipping God. Whole families involved in everything that's happening in this church. And I think that's wonderful that this is a multi-generational church. Fantastic. Awesome. They were just a small group. But they were hearing from and acting on instructions from Jesus. That's the difference. They weren't just an ordinary crew. They weren't just a motley crew. They were a group of followers of Jesus who could listen and obey. Now, when we look among us today, this is a growing church. This is a vibrant church. But when you consider that there's 100,000 people on this island, it's still a small church. And God wants to do great things with this church. It may be, we may be a small local church, but we have a big heart. A heart for the king and his kingdom. And that comes across everything that happens here. It comes across the, with the vision. It comes across with the welcome. There's always room for more. Is there not? We all want to see more people come and encounter the love of Jesus Christ. Now what I'd like to do is to dive into the fine print now. And share with you five life lessons that we see in this passage of scripture. Looking at John chapter 6 and Matthew chapter 14. And very quickly, let's have a look at five lessons that I think we can take away and apply to our lives. The first is this. Jesus already has a plan. He is not taken by surprise. When he said, be fruitful and multiply, he knew that we would, at this point in history, have seven billion people on earth. We live in the greatest days of history. We have the greatest means of communication to preach the gospel. We have the easiest form of transport to go to the nations. We can make a difference and we can see in our generation the greatest harvest that history has ever seen. And God is not surprised. He has chosen you and I to be born in this generation and he's not saying, how in the world am I going to get this job done? He has you and I involved. I loved it last night when, uh, when Greg was reading from Luke and Acts. And he talked about Luke being the author of the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. And we see that he was writing for a man, Theopolis. 
And a lot of people say, well, who was this guy Theopolis? And I wrote down in my notes, unsung heroes of the book of Acts. You know, Theopolis did not have this record made just for his benefit. But he was the, what's the, what's the word, somebody who pays for something, a philanthropist or something? Is that, you know, he was the financer. He paid so that this message could go out. And thank God for Theophilus. When I get to heaven, I want to shake that man's hand. Because the book of Acts is one of my favorite books. It's a book that is not finished. It's got 28 chapters, and we are still living in the book of Acts. And in chapter 10,527, it says, And Lighthouse Christian Church in Jersey launched Leading Lights Network. Isn't that awesome? Now, I know there's a little bit of poetic license there. I understand that. And maybe you want to edit that out if you want to. I'm happy with that. But, you know, the bottom line is this. God has a plan and he wants you and I to be involved in that plan. He's chosen us to be born in this generation for this time. And he wants to use us for his purpose. God already has a plan. In John chapter 6, verse 5 and 6, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so these people may eat? And then it says this, he did this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Jesus already had the answer, but he wanted Philip to be involved as a co-laborer with him. And isn't it wonderful that Jesus knows exactly what the next steps are? He's got it in hand. And he's given us, he's given us the, the joy of seeing this plan unfold. Now, for many in the group of 5,000, they probably didn't know where the food came from. But certainly the disciples knew that they had nothing at the beginning. And I think it's wonderful to be involved in such a wonderful project at the beginning and see that from small beginnings with a dream, Jesus has a bigger dream. And he downloads his purpose and his plan step by step. I think it's wonderful. We are his plan. I, I read something on Friday evening, and I'd like to just read the end part again. Jesus wants to use us as his plan. I have no hands but your hands to do my work today. I have no feet but your feet to lead men on the way. I have no voice but your voice to tell men why I died. I have no help but your help to bring men to my side. God wants to use us as a part of his plan. Which brings me to my second point. Jesus wants us to be part of the solution. In Matthew chapter 14 verse 16, Jesus said, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. Isn't that incredible? That we can come and we can pray, Lord and as a church, I know that you've been praying for God to do things in the nations. And then he said, don't pray to me to do something in the nations. You do something in the nations. He wants us to take initiative. And that's what I love about this. We need to be people who are taking initiative. I love about in the book of Acts how the disciples or the, the apostles, they were, they were out there doing the stuff. And they were, they were wanting to go into Asia and then a, they had a, a dream at night and a man from Macedonia said, come over and help us. And, uh, and they, they, they then 
the, the, the Bible says the Spirit of Jesus prevented them from crossing over into Asia at that time. You know, God has a strategy and a plan, and he wanted the gospel to come into Europe first, and it came into Europe before it went into Asia with, uh, with Paul and his companions. But um, the bottom line is this. They were going somewhere until God said, change direction. And God wants us to be moving, to be, to be aggressive as Christians in trying to get the gospel out. Now, sometimes Jesus wants us to be the answer to our prayer. Anyone can complain. Anyone can see the need. But Jesus is looking for people who will be part of the solution. Who will put up their hands and say, Here am I, Lord. Use me. Edward Hale. And I must be honest, I have no idea who he was, but I just like this quote. <laughs> Edward Hale said this, I am only one, but I am one. I can't do everything, but I can do something. What I can do, I ought to do. And what I ought to do, by the grace of God, I will do. Isn't that awesome? Number three, my third point. We must bring what we have to Jesus. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 17 through to verse 19, they said to Jesus, we have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. I preached a, a message recently about bringing things to Jesus and how important it is for us to bring what we have to Jesus. Uh, come to me. It's amazing how much it says in the Gospel of Matthew about come to me. Come to me, all those who are heavily laden, and I will give you rest. And here in Matthew chapter 14, he says, bring them here to me. He took the five loaves and the two fish, and he, he, uh, he took them, he brought them, and he, they brought what they had to Jesus. And then it says he ordered the crowds to sit down, on the grass, and taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven and he said a blessing. Now, just if we bring our little to Jesus, it's amazing what he can do with that. It really is amazing. Little becomes much when placed in the hands of Jesus. And you know, you might look at your life and say, I don't have that much in resources, I don't have that much in talent, I don't have that much in ability, I don't have that much in experience. And in our church, we have this policy. First week, you're a visitor. Second week, you're part of the family. Third week, welcome people, pray for people. You know, you and I are all on a journey together. And if we just bring our lives, our little lives, God can use us to serve His purpose. Number four. The miracle took place in the hands of the disciples. Now this is incredible. This is just amazing. I love the Jesus film. And no, I think the people who put down, together the Jesus film did an incredible job. And it's been used as a wonderful tool around the world. But nobody, no matter how talented they are, could really capture everything that Jesus did. In fact, John in his gospel said if everything that Jesus did was written down, there wouldn't be enough books in the whole world to contain what he's done. And uh, so he's done so much more. He's so much better and so more wonderful than you've ever imagined. 
Right now we just see him through a glass dimly, but one day we will see him face to face. Isn't that just going to be awesome? Absolutely. Now, in the Jesus film, the, the rendering of the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus prays over the, the five loaves and the two fish, and then the basket that he's got it in is like a fire hydrant, and out of it just comes this, these fish. <laughs> now, when you read the gospel, for what it really is, you'll find out that's not really what happened. Let's see what happened. In Matthew 14, verse 19, he ordered the crowd to sit down on the grass. And it says in John chapter 6 that they sat down in groups of about 50 people each. It's amazing though. Let me just stop there and just say this. So often Christians say we shouldn't worry about numbers. But the Bible is full of numbers. How many people were in the upper room? 120. How many did he feed? 5,000. Uh, there's even a book in the Bible called Numbers, for goodness sake. You know what I'm saying? And, and I, I think it's a wonderful thing that, that, that in the, the engine behind leading lights is the, 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 the analytics. Not just to pat ourselves on the back so that we can be more effective in reaching those people and serving those people for the king and his kingdom. That's what it's about. Let's have a uh, carry on here, all right? And taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven, said a blessing, broke them, and then it says he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. Now the reason I mention that about numbers is because we have to use our mathematical brains here. Twelve disciples. Each disciple would have had about a sixth of a fish, a little fish. So someone got the middle, someone got the tail, and someone got the head. Isn't that right? Have I, have I got it right? You know, or half the head, half the tail, and half the middle. Actually, I think that's, that's right. They each had a sixth of the fish, and they had less than half a barley loaf, which would have been a little tiny loaf. Each one of them had that. And Jesus said, put the people in groups of about 50 now, if there were around 12,000 people, and you say, but you know, we know that there were 5,000 men besides women and children. So if each, if each man had a, had a, a wife and a child, that would be 15,000. But uh, you know, some had two children. Maybe they had two wives in those days, I don't know. But you know, they, they had, uh, they, whatever it was, it was quite a, a large crowd of people, 12,000 people. So if they were in groups of about 50 people, that would have been 240 groups on the grass. 240 groups of 50 people. Amazing. Okay. Each disciple was sent to 20 groups of 50 people, which means each disciple was involved in feeding 1,000 people with a sixth of a fish and half a little barley loaf. Now, can you imagine being Peter? Lord, I've left everything to follow you. And here I have a little tiny fish. And here I have a small loaf. He gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. And this is what I believe happened. As he walked towards the first group of 50 hungry people, he probably went up to the first man and he said, Would you like some? 
and he gave him something. And as he gave what he had, he had a look and there was a little bit more. And as he gave to somebody else, he had a look and there was a little bit more. And we have to understand that the supply of God is not a reservoir, but it's a river. And it's flowing. And, and as we begin to go and give what we have, God gives us more. I love it that in Philemon, or Philemon, it depends which part of the world you come from, but in Philemon chapter 1 verse 6 it says, we become aware of all that we have in Christ when we share our faith. You know, the best thing you can do is to go and tell people about Jesus. Because when you do that, even if you don't know that much, when you share what you know, he reveals a little bit more. And I'm amazed at how, how sometimes I'll even listen to my own messages and I'll say, how in the world did I know that? I have no idea how I knew that. But it's like when you're sharing, it's like you see God's downloading stuff to you. Who's had that experience before? It's just wonderful. It's a wonderful thing. We're not sent out on our own. What I enjoy about this is as they went and they gave, and they gave, and they gave, the miracle unfolded one person, one step, one group, one individual, one family at a time. It just began to grow and grow and grow and grow. But it doesn't just stop there. Just think about the numbers here. In John chapter 6, verse 12 to 13, Jesus told his disciples to gather the leftover fragments so that nothing can be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. So each disciple then had a basket to fill. The amazing thing is this. God doesn't just supply just enough. He supplies more than enough. Because there was leftovers. Isn't that amazing? Absolutely incredible. Each disciple came back with a basket full of leftovers. Jesus provided more than enough. And what I love about this is Jesus said, Let there be no waste. And I, I am telling you that you are in a local church that is doing things with excellence. We have gone back each time we've come and we've implemented ideas that we've seen here in our local church. The way that, uh, that, that you guys are labeling stuff. We've now done that. You have little, little zip bags where all the microphones and things go on so that you can set up quickly. We've started to do that. Hey? And, uh, you know, I'm starting to follow the dress sense of Greg and James. You know, I'm, what's, what's the newest fashion? Let's find out from Jersey. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, I'm only joking about that, really. And, uh, but bottom line is this. What we're doing is, is, is we're in partnership together. We're growing with you. But what I'm saying is this. That, that this is a local church that is not wasting anything. And if you're investing by giving into this church of your time your energy, and your resources. Let me tell you, it's not going to waste. It's being used for the purpose of the king and the kingdom with accountability, and it's being used well. It really is. Number five, my last point. Only Jesus can satisfy the hunger of the human heart. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 20, it says, They all ate and were satisfied. Wow, I love that. They all ate. 12,000 people ate. 
and were satisfied. You know, there are people, let me just say this before I read the next bit. There are people who try and discount what God has done throughout history by trying to come up with some sort of scientific reason for it. For example, they will say that, um, that the reason that Moses and the Israelites could cross over the Red Sea is because they came to a point in the Red Sea where it was only about three inches deep. Well, I say, praise God. It's even even greater miracle that God drowned the whole Egyptian army in three inches of water. You know, it's just craziness. And I think what we have to understand is that it wasn't like there was some other supply. They were in a remote place, and God provided enough to satisfy their needs. And I think what we need to understand is this. We don't need all the stuff. And people try and use stuff to satisfy them. But the stuff will make you feel good for a while. It will give you a more comfortable form of misery. Huh? Bottom line. But only Jesus can bring lasting change and lasting fulfillment. Whether you have stuff or don't have stuff, like Paul said, I have learned whether to have lack or to have plenty, that my contentment and fulfillment is in Christ. You know, in the New Testament, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 12, it says, I've learned to be content. And, in, and then it says, through Christ who gives me strength. And then in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, it says, it says that um, be content with what you have because Christ will never leave you. You know, the key, I believe, to walking in biblical prosperity is to be content with what you have. To be happy with what you have. And sometimes we need to stop and count our blessing and not start comparing ourselves to others. Are you with me? You know, there's a phrase we see through the New Testament. If only, if only I had this and if only I had that. If only you had been here sooner. People live with regret and people live with dissatisfaction. What we need to do is we need to live with joy in what God has given us. In John chapter four and verse, sorry, John chapter six and verse twelve, it says, "When they had eaten their fill, hungry people had eaten their fill out of a little boy's lunch. Twelve thousand hungry people had eaten their fill. And after this miracle, Jesus reveals himself by one of his I am statements. In John chapter six and verse thirty-five." Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Only Jesus can satisfy the hunger and quench the thirst of the human heart. Only Jesus. It's amazing. Whoever comes to me. Let me just say this about the I am statements. What I love about it is this. He doesn't say, I am the I was. He doesn't say, I am the I will be. And I think we need to live in present tense faith. He is the I am. Present tense, he is the bread of life. Before I hand over to, uh, to Greg, my prayer today for you is this. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the bread of life, and that you can satisfy the hunger 
of the human heart. And today, if you do not have Jesus as Lord, Savior, and friend, don't miss out one moment longer. Surrender your life to Him. He will give you peace, He will give you joy, and He will give you purpose. And I also want to pray that each one of us would take our little and put it into the hands of Jesus. Our little becomes much when placed in the hands of Jesus. Thanks for listening. For more information, go to leadinglightsnetwork.com.